Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got you six, we got your back. Got you six, we got your back. Got you six, we got your back. I got you six. Sixers, what an absolute treat we have today. Travis Mills is joining us. It took me a while to start the podcast because I ha- I couldn't stop laughing. So if you're driving or whatever, stay focused on what you're doing, but know that this episode is going to just be packed with, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry. It's going to be the best 30 minutes you've spent all day. Travis, thank you so much for being on the Gotcha 6 podcast. Oh, hey, I appreciate it, big guns. Big guns, Tony. I've heard rumor and they weren't <laughs> wrong, you champion. Thanks for having me. You know, it's really great to see somebody who does not live life on the sidelines, especially in your second life right? Never giving up, never quitting, no matter the obstacles or circumstances. It's one thing to say, but in order to do it is a completely different thing. You know, I just been fortunate. I had a bad day at work, case the old Mondays. And it's my own fault, you know, because my buddy's like, don't step there. And I was like, why? And he's like, it'll kill you. And I said, no, it won't. And then I bet him 10 bucks that it wouldn't. I stepped on it and I won 10 bucks, but I ended up losing, you know, my arms and legs because of it. So best Big Mac meal you've ever seen money spent on from that $10 or that bet I won. But, uh, but no, I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, I just hadn't had a choice to either get better or don't. And I decided, Hey, let's get better. Absolutely. And some would say that costs you an arm and a leg, right? Which is kind of, you know, with inflation and everything going on, that sometimes happens uh, with the Big Mac meals. Right. Might cost me too. So that happened back, you started serving in in 2006, right? Back in 2012, April 10th, right? Is when- You're nailing it. You're nailing it. You got this. I'm, I'm trying, going off the dome here. And then I also have a ton of notes to the side, so I'm not, it's not as cool as it looks. What- do you continue to take away from your time in that six years of service that you constantly implement every day? Yeah. So, uh, I grew up, I grew up with the 82nd Airborne Division. You know, I, I feel like, yeah, I grew up in Michigan where I'm from hometown everything like that. But realistically, uh, after I got out of like my semester and a half of failed college and joined the army, I was like, this is where I grew up and you learn so much, right? You learn hard work, dedication. You learn what motivation is, even if it's fake motivation, you still have it. And you learn that you can't just quit. You can't just say like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm, I don't want to do this. I'm done. Because that's not allowed. And the best part is it's like, hey, look, we got to keep pressing forward. We got to keep going. And um, through my years of service, I was able to get promoted to, you know, first it was PFC and then specialist and then sergeant and then staff sergeant. And, you know, I, I learned what leadership really was and that no matter how high a rank you go, you work harder, you know, every rank you go up for the guys underneath you than they ever realize. And I slept less, I ate less. And, you know, I did a lot more because it was all about their betterment and their overall livelihoods. And uh, I'd use that in my businesses every day to try to make sure that everybody that works with me at my foundation, at my other businesses, that they know I'll, I'll go just as hard as them. And I will be there, you know, when the lights turn on and when the lights turn off, because I believe and the mission that we have in front of us, as well as I want to make sure that they get to go home to their families and put food on their tables because of the work they do. 
is there someone that, you know, a leader or, you know, they recommended a book, I mean, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're in the army. So you must read a lot of books. What book are you reading? You know, like, where does that yeah, come from? Yeah, because we're not Marines, because Marines can't right. read. I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and we love the Marines that are Sixers. You know, God bless them. Oh, don't worry. But, they don't know. get my jokes. It's no big deal. Right. No one's going to explain it to them. No, I'm kidding. I'm jealous <laughs> of those darn uniforms. Tony, you know what I'm talking about. They look so good it, in those it, uniforms. Especially when they're in bicep season, right? Where, you know, they roll the Ugh. sleeves up. Yeah. Oh, jerks. Forearms are the new abs. I learned that a long time ago. Um, and I'm missing both of them. Thanks <laughs> for rubbing it up. <laughs> Quicker than I look, quicker than I look. So what greatly influenced that? Was it seeing other people do it or having to do it yourself? You know, really, you know, serving others more than you kind of give yourself. You know, I had really great leadership that taught me that, Um, you know, guys that would go the extra mile and you could tell they were tired and exhausted and they just been through hell with us and they went the extra mile. So I was led from the front and I was fortunate to be in units where as an E2, I was part of a personal security attachment for a colonel. And they were like, hey, uh, you're infantry. And I'm like, I had four extra weeks of base training. I have no idea why you think that's important. But they're like, here's $6 million worth of equipment. You're in charge of this truck now. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. At 19, why not? I, I got this. And then uh, my second deployment, I was a sergeant. But they were like, yep, you're going to be in a staff sergeant spot. I'm like, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. And then my third deployment, I was E6, youngest in uh, time, youngest in grade, youngest overall out of the E6s, but I was a weapon squad leader. And I think you always want to work the position above, but you always want to make sure that you can do your job. And I had a great leader. My third deployment, you know, I went and saw my uh, platoon sergeant, who's now going to be a sergeant major, and it's Sergeant Hambright, Keith Hambright. Great guy. He's at, I think he's at the Pentagon now. But um, I went and saw him, and I, I kind of broke down a little bit. I said, you know, I don't think I've ever respected anybody more than you as a leader. And I said, every day, I was like, I want to be just like Sergeant Hambright. Um you know, and, and I, I kind of teared up a little bit and I said, I don't know, I'm getting emotional right now, but I just wanted you to know that because, you know, I worked every day to model him the best I could. And, and he gave me a great NCOER. He's like, promote automatically, like this guy's ready for, you know, da, 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 da. And I was a great combat leader. And I, I can say that with pride, not being arrogant, but, you know, Sergeant Hambright was was one that was awesome. And then another guy that I deployed with that was my boss at first. And, and he sucked. Like he was, you know, you see good leadership and you see terrible leadership. And the guy that sucked so bad, I almost got out of the army. I was almost like, hey, man, I, I'm not reenlisting. Like, no way would I ever do this for the rest of my life because people like you are in. And then, I mean, he lost his job to me. And the day I got my staff sergeant rank, like, everybody comes up, you know, like, punch people. You see enlisted guys doing that. I don't think officers do that. But like, enlisted guys do that. No, they I do. That. Yeah, it's, it's universal. Yeah. Like, I, I hated that. I absolutely hated that. And this guy came up to punch me in the chest. And I said, hey, just so you understand, now that I'm a staff sergeant, I said, I will literally break every bone in your face if you touch me. Like, you you put your fist in my chest. I said, I don't care how light or hard it is. I said, I'm going to break every bone in your face because I hate you. And you're a terrible leader. And you're one of the worst ever. And I wasn't able to say that until I got my rank the same as his. And I don't regret it. I don't regret it because he taught me, like, what not to do. You know, I guess you can learn just as much from from terrible leadership as you can from great leadership. And, you know, it, it's funny to talk about those two guys, guys I'll never forget in my whole entire life, but for different reasons completely. And I think that kind of goes to, you know, your last real job in the army, right, is being that weapons squad leader, knowing your left and right limit, right? Knowing what good leadership looks like on one side and what terrible leadership looks on the other and being able to kind of have that, you know, spectrum and working inside of it and knowing where you are in time and space. Yeah, you know, and I, I know you're an officer, and I respected my officers, um, and I've actually became really, really great friends with a lot of the officers that I deployed with. And it's kind of funny, like, the guy that 
my third deployment officer, who I'm still, I just saw him in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago. He, great guy. Wonderful. His first day there, he was reading these vignettes. And uh, he asked, like, you see three Afghans with AK-47s and they see you and they run off into a field. What do you do? And I was like, well, you shoot them. And he's like, no, no, you don't do that, Sergeant Mills. It says right here. I'm like, whoa, 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 buddy. You shoot them, you know. And he, he kind of, you know, went back at me. And I, and I, we didn't hit it off right away because I ended up asking how many, you know, hey, well, how many times you been to combat, you know. And then two weeks into deployment, he goes, hey, Sergeant Mills. I said, yep. He goes, you shoot them. I said, that's right, sir. That's right. But that's because we were started by Taliban. But we became so close and, and great friends that, you know, I don't respect anybody more than, like I said, my platoon sergeant and and, and uh, Lieutenant Lewis, as well as my second deployment, my Lieutenant Craig Bear, who was a West Point grad. I got a pretty cool project I'm working on, my own apparel line that he's probably going to come and head for me. And I can't wait. So, you know, knowing your left and right limits. And, and my thing was on my second deployment, I grew up a lot. My third deployment, my first sergeant knew exactly who I was, but since I came up in the army different than a lot of infantry guys, I wasn't that, that jerk. I wasn't like hard and mean. I was always smiling and laughing and joking. And the first firefight we ever got in a country, I controlled the rights of fire. I yelled at third squad to do the right thing. Kicked two team leaders that were doing the wrong thing, like fixed them, went down and got a guy out of a dry riverbed by myself through my rifle, my first sergeant. And it was just like what you do in combat. And my first sergeant knew me from combat and what I could do over there. That's why, you know, I was the youngest E6, but still the squad leader, um, the, the senior senior guy in the, the squad or the platoon. And uh, two, those two team leaders that I yelled at who came from an infantry unit before were like, Sergeant Mills, we got to be honest. We didn't know why you got to be like how you got to be a staff sergeant. One, because you're always smiling and joking, having a good time. And then two, we didn't realize well, it was first how I got promoted, but then how I was a squad leader because I was younger. And they said, well, we'll fight a hell and back. And I was like, you know, to be honest, guys, like first Sergeant Parrish knows who I am. And you have that switch, right? I mean, you probably know about it, Tony, like where you're you can be a normal, everyday person. You can shoot everybody with respect. But then if you're in combat, that switch goes zero to, you know, zero to 100. And you're like, well, your eyes glaze over, you set in. And, you know, it's just like you watch that movie, 12 Soldiers. 12 strong, I think. I just watched it, and the guy's like, killer eyes, killer eyes. And it's like, I don't think I have killer eyes by any mean. But it's like, the guys that have been there and seen it, they can turn it on and off, and, and you just got to go. Right. And like you said, you know, as you get into those different roles and knowing that job, you start to understand different things by following other people that, you know, right, wrong, and different. And you start to really understand why things are in the places that they are. Uh, now that you have, you know, a breadth of experience in the business side, you're constantly applying these new skills and abilities and talents. Where is one that you're currently working on right now that's new to you that you're really kind of embracing and taking on? You know, I, one day I got gas in my boat. My The guy that owned the Marine was like, hey, you should buy this place. I'm like, why would I buy this place? Not that I'm loaded with money or nothing. He said, look at the P&Ls. And I went and I checked out like the P&Ls and I was like, dang, this is pretty good. So I went ahead and bought it. And my wife said, don't you buy that? And my business partner that I was going out with was like, don't you? His wife was like, don't buy it you know, don't buy that. So we drank whiskey and we bought it. And, um, you know, we've owned it now going on six years and the ups and downs and stuff, but you still go in there and, you know, you got to make sure even with no arms, no legs, like I still, one of the last guys there, I still step up to the plate and help out with everything. And it's a constant balance of like, Hey, what are you doing? And why you're not doing this? You know, like not discrediting what they've done before, but like get them moving. Like today I walked in and my general manager's eating a cookie, drinking coffee. And he's got work to be done that needs to get done. And I said, hey, all right, see ya. And he's like, well, I said, no, I don't think you get it. Go to work. I'm paying you. Go to work. And it's just that constant balance. And I think you got to, you know, bring what you know, but also be compassionate and caring. And that's what I try to do. You know, I try to understand from their side, but I also know what I want to accomplish 
And, you know, they've learned real quick. They can't tell me they can't do something. They can't be like, whoa, whoa we couldn't do it because of this or we can't figure it out. Because I'm like, no, that doesn't work in my world. Right. Never give up. Never quit. Yeah. That's, that's literally like that has taken you from where you were at a point back in 2012 to where you are now and where you will continue to go. Do you think it's that belief that has greatly improved your life or is there another behavior or habit that has really kind of changed the game for you? Not to put pressure on my daughter's shoulders, uh, but my, my daughter and now my son, like my kids are everything to me. And it's kind of weird because I don't put pressure on them, but I know that they're like my daughter when I was blown up was six months old and she's my biggest driving factor of why I got better. You know, at first I was like in the hospital bed feeling all like Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump, like, why didn't I just die? How is this going to be better? Like, what the heck? And then my daughter came in and I was like, oh, well, I'm fortunate to be here. So I will do everything in my power to get better. And I realized early on, like, don't dwell on what happened. Just reminisce what you had and keep pushing forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm in my truck right now. I drive with my prosthetic feet like everybody else and I go and do what I want. I'm very independent in a world where prosthetics are possible and things like that. And I just, I think my wife was a huge factor, not leaving my side and being there with me when I told her she should leave. But my parents were so awesome and they did everything for the, you know, for me and my sister and brother. And I was like, I'll never let my kids down, you know, like it's just about getting it done for them. So my daughter has high standards that she has to live up to, which I kind of feel a little bit bad for because everywhere she goes, people know her, you know, she's Travis Mills's daughter. And maybe that's kind of a heavy weight to, to carry on her shoulders. But at the same time, she knows like we're going to keep always pushing forward. And even though sometimes I might, I might stumble or I might fall down, I'll get back up. And that's what I want my kids to see. And now my son, he's four, he's a wild man. And, you know, we just go about life. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest reason I started the foundation and I was able to get better so fast was my kids, right? Like, or my daughter, I guess my son wasn't born yet, but they'll change the whole world. And I just can't let them see me fail. I like, no way. Yeah believing in something bigger than yourself has really just literally allowed you to reinvent because you had to relearn everything, right? From the very like basic stuff to like, you're doing things now that you probably wouldn't have done, you know, before that time back in 2012. No, I had my life plan. You know, everybody like, uh, everybody has their life planned out, right? Like I, I'm sure you, when you were a little kid, you're like, I'm going to be going through the majors course. Like no, no, no ifs, ands, or what's about it. But for me, like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do 20 years of military after my third deployment. I'm going to go back, probably get picked up for airborne school, um, to jump master school. I mean, I was a jump master, so picked up to do jump master. And then I had a year and a half left of college because I was reenlisting and taking college ops, you know, and I was going to go officer because I was like, E7 looks like no fun. Like, I'd rather be an officer. Like, after staff sergeant, it just becomes babysitting and I don't want that. But, you know, life doesn't work out the way you plan it. And I think that's the craziest thing. So you always got to react to contact, right? You got to figure out, you know, what's going on and how to react to it and how to push forward. And, um, I've been fortunate. That's what I've been able to do. Right. And then reacting that contact, right. Is recognizing that failure does occur and is needed to be able to succeed. Where has failure presented itself that has ultimately led to the greatest success in your life? Oh, I've had sleepless nights at my foundation where I thought we were going to fail and everybody's money that donated was going to just evaporate into nothing. You know, but we've really grit our teeth, bared down, and now we're one of the top 25 veteran service organizations in the nation at the Travis Mills Foundation. And, you know, I have wonderful staff, amazing staff. They're like family to me. But there's been times where we're like, oh, geez, we might not make it. And that was, you know, that's crazy to sit there and worry and, and like have that pressure. 
I've had days where when I was working out my first time, like I walked, I walked three laps. And I was like so excited and ecstatic. I walked three laps around the military advanced training center. I was like, I did it. You know, like this is awesome. And my dad missed it because he had to go to an appointment. And my dad came back the next day. I was like, dad, I'm gonna walk five laps. And my body just wouldn't do it. I walked half a lap. Yeah. Charlie horse was real bad. My body like just wouldn't move. I could not take a step. And I was like in tears. Like I let my dad down. Like, dad, I'm so sorry. Like, I just want to walk. So he's like, no, you did great. And I'm like, no, no, this isn't right. But you know, the next day I got better. And I, I tell people every day is not like maybe a step in the right direction, but at least it's a step forward. You know, for me, like I don't want my kids to ever feel like they missed out on anything. Like that's my biggest fear is like, they'll feel like they missed out. Um, I was on the road at a event last, last week and my son, I called him and he's like, dad, my heart's broken a million pieces. So I had a dream and I wanted you to have your arms and legs back and you just can't have them. And it's not fair. And I cried and my heart broke and I'm like, Oh buddy, uh, sorry, they're not coming. You know, it's like you can't explain to them, like, well, man, I want them back too, but it's just not, you know, how it works. And it kind of gets kids bad and sad, but it is what it is. At every point in that failure, though, you've been able to rally and compose yourself enough, like you said, especially when you were excited for your dad to come see you pushing for that five laps. Now you're able to run, do all this stuff. And it, it just takes time and being able to recognize and have that self-awareness of that step forward each day makes a big difference in the long term. Well, you know, and I, I, I tried so hard. I just couldn't wait to get out of the hospital. I was like, I've got to get up Walter Reed. I got to go home. I got to retire. I got to get out of my life. And I got out of Walter Reed and I went to my in-laws house and I sat there and I looked at an old picture of me on the wall the first day I got there. And I was like, now what? Like, now what's my life going to be? Like, what am I supposed to do now? And I broke down. I was like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. Because in the Army, I was somebody. I was Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, leader of combat soldiers with the 82nd Airborne Division, you know, the greatest division ever known to mankind. And then at the hospital, I was, you know, Travis Mills or Travis. But I helped all the soldiers because I was uh, one of the older guys at 25 that got injured. And I was, like, making sure they were working out and checking in on them. So at Walter Reed, I was like, I was somebody, right? They called me the mayor of building 62. I'd go meet all the people in their, in their uh, hospital rooms and say hi, and I'd catch up on how their life's going. And then I got out of the hospital and I went home and it's everything I strive for 19 months. I worked so hard to get home. And then I got home and I said, who am I now? I'm not, I'm not that guy in the picture on the wall. I'm staring at, I broke down and I had to rebuild my whole entire life. Basically like, not that my wife was like, mad or leaving me. Not that my daughter didn't love me, but I had to rebuild and reestablish who I was as a person. And, you know, there would be nights and not many, like I don't have PTSD or never been classified as PTSD. Not that I think there's anything wrong with it. We have a great program now for anybody suffering post-traumatic stress. It's free to them. Visit travismillsfoundation.org. But I would at nights in the dark, when it's real quiet, I would sit there and go like, this is the rest of my life. Like what, why? Why do I have to lose my arms and legs? Like, why is this the rest of my life? Like, what could ever make this be my outcome? And then it wasn't until really a year ago. And we're talking like this April makes 10 years. So like at year eight, I went to a camp down in uh, Texas with my buddy, David, who has a depth training foundation, who I'm great friends with. And we helped start it and whatnot. And I was at a like barbecue and they're doing the kumbaya stuff. And I'm like, I'm just here to work out straight up. I just, I don't care about this stuff. I don't talk feelings. I'm not emotional. But this one guy that got thrown out of a car and broke his back and he was in a wheelchair the rest of his life, he's like, if I don't keep moving, I just sit there and I'll cry. And he goes, so I got to keep moving. And the counselor was like, well, no, like you got to sit with that. And I was like, I piped up from the back, right? I'm just sitting eating a hot dog and or whatever and drinking a beer. And I was like, no, no, you don't. And the guy's like, well, yeah, he does. He has to sit there and he has to 
go through it. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Cause he's never get the, like, there's no reason to sit with it. He's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, the thing that makes him do that is he's asking why, why this happened? Why is this his life? And why is he in a wheelchair? And I said, and the truth is he's never going to get the answer. There will never be an answer that suffices. And I sat there and I thought, uh, you know, to myself, I was like, holy shit, that's exactly what it is. I haven't accepted that it happened. Like, I mean, as much as I could have, I did, but I was like, I have to accept this is what happened. Point blank. There's no questions that are going to be answered to the, the reason why. So stop asking why. Accept that it happened. Know it did and push forward in life. And, you know, I don't have those nights where I sit there in, the, in my bed anymore and I think about, like, why this happened. Because at the other day, not one answer I ever get is going to make me feel good about it. Like, oh, that, that makes sense. Like, right. This is why I lost my arms and legs. Okay, cool. Let's move on. And that's just not going to happen. So I'm like, okay, I can accept that it happened without, without knowing the reason why it happened and be okay with that. That's extremely powerful. And again, it's, it's one of those things. Someone could have told you that, you know, after 19 months, after a year and a half, after five years, but it was that moment in time where it just kind of clicked. Yeah. And I mean, I came around to myself and I was like, yep, that's why. And and I didn't realize it before. Like I'd have one or two nights a month where I'm sitting there in the dark and it's quiet. And I'm like, I got to go watch TV. Like I'm done with this because it's like this rest of your life. Like why this happened? Like this is miserable. Even though I have all the technology and the advancements and the taxpayers, you know, dollars that, that luckily I'm fortunate to use to have prosthetic legs and take care of stuff. It took me like eight years to like really sit with it, even though I didn't want to have any counseling because I don't like that stuff. And uh, no, I know it helps. And I, I, encourage, I encourage everybody to do it if they need it. So then I ask you, as we kind of wrap up our conversation here, how today, Travis Mills, are you better than yesterday? Well, I didn't need as much today as I did yesterday. And I'm trying to lose weight. You know, I figured on Monday, you got to do that. So I'm doing a little better. And since I was out to dinner like an idiot, because my business manager screwed up. Not that it's your fault because you're important. That's why I came outside. I was like, I'm not missing this phone call for dinner because dinner can wait. I haven't eaten dinner. I probably won't now. I'm like, no, I got to lose weight. But uh, how am I better than today than yesterday? Today, I was supposed to be in Boston at a meeting and it got canceled. And then I got to do my meetings I was supposed to do tomorrow today in my foundation office. And I got a chance to sit down with my leadership team find out what's all going on. And we really hashed out some really awesome stuff. So I'm excited going to, you know, going to bed tonight. I'm excited and thankful for my foundation and all the organization, you know, people that work for us and the work they're doing. And, you know, every day I strive to be a little bit better. Every chance I get to teach my children a life lesson that's meaningful and impactful, I do. And I'm so grateful to have been given the opportunity to still be alive, you know? And I think, people always wonder like, man, like, how's he do it? And a lot of times I'll have conversations with real awkward people. And the first thing is like, well, Jesus, if that happened to me, I'd probably shoot myself. And I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. Thanks for the comp. No, not like you should. Like you're really good at doing this, whatever, you know? And I'm like, oh, thanks bud. And, uh, you know, that's like really weird when people say that to me, but I'm like, you know, I'm so fortunate and thankful to have the ability to still be here. And I realized the lives that were lost, and every day I try to live in, in honor of my good friends that I lost as well as ones I don't know. Right. But I'm like, they didn't get the chance to still be here. Right. I'm sure you have soldiers that, you know, they didn't make it back and they didn't have the chance to watch their daughter grow and learn how to walk with her or to be married going on 14 years and to have another child. And, you know, my, always to mind comes Francis Jean Phillips, the first, uh, my buddy Frankie 
you know, his wife would give anything from my situation, but that's not going to happen. His daughter, Sophia, for daddy-daughter dance. His mom, she tells me one more conversation would be everything. But they don't get that. And that's why I'm able to put a smile on and go forward because I'm so thankful to the people that worked on me and the ability to still be around that I won't let anybody down. And I'll always, always push forward because I was given the opportunity to still live. It's about taking that step forward, like you said, right? What that step forward could be a a centimeter, could be a full mile, whatever that step forward looks like every day. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Travis, where can people reach out to you if they want to learn more about your story? Well, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to promote travismills.org for all your Travis Mills needs. Uh, TravisMillsFoundation.org is my website. It links right from my, my other website. And then on social media, my Instagram and Facebook is at SSG Travis Mill. So at Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, you know, SSG. And, you know, if you want to find out a whole heck of a lot and you think my voice is just that amazing, you want me to read you bedtime stories, um, I have a book out. It's called Tough As They Come. Uh, it's fortunate to make New York Times bestsellers list. And the book will tell the story a lot more in depth and people really enjoy it. But truth, the most important part to me is actually the author's note. It'll tell you two things, right? Number one, my problems don't outweigh anybody else's. And it might sound silly. I'm sitting here with norms, no legs. And people are like, what are you talking about? You have norms and legs. But uh, collectively, listeners probably can come up with somebody going through cancer, financial troubles, a car accident, something that you know happened in their life. And I don't think I should be put on any pedestal. I think if my story can help them, uh, by all means, please check me out. I do a lot of fun videos and whatnot with my family and stuff on the old social media. And then on top of that, the next thing it's going to tell you is I didn't serve any more than anybody else. So if you did serve Air Force, Coast Guard, Navy, Marines, Army, thank you for your service and I appreciate you. So that's the best way. Those are the links and I appreciate your time tonight. Absolutely. And that's SSG, Travis Mills, like you said, Instagram across the board. Also, you forgot to mention the 2014 documentary, Travis, A Soldier Story, and it was a 2016 New York Times bestseller. But everyone knows that, right? That's, that's just common knowledge at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just it was on Netflix. Now it's off, and we're trying to renegotiate. So I didn't want to send them on a wild goose chase. But it's on iTunes, I think. The uh, Travis Sword Story documentary. Yeah, GF Film Festival award winner. No big deal. Whatever. You know, just uh, my good face. You know, like going through a blow up and everything like that. But yeah, so that's where you find me. And I appreciate it. I love it, Travis. Thank you so much for your time, sharing your story with us, and of course, thanks for having our six. Really appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And remember, don't step on bombs because. You know, I, I did. And I was like, shit, shouldn't have done that. So that's the best piece of advice I got for you winners. But thanks a lot. Have a great night. Take care. Sixers, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass along, tell them what you got out of it. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you leave us a review. And if you don't like what we're doing, also let us know. We can only get better from hearing from you, all the Sixers out there. We're always here to adapt and evolve as this podcast continues to grow and thrive. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.